Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, everybody, welcome back to God's Whole Story. Uh, Today we're looking at Genesis 37. We got a little bit of Chronicles thrown in, I think. Uh, Because we're dealing with some genealogy kind of stuff. But basically, Genesis 37 to 39 uh, gives us a story about Joseph uh, being sold into slavery. It gives us a story about Judah and Tamar. uh, And then it uh, talks a little bit about Joseph and Potiphar. So we're covering some pretty big stories if you've done the Sunday school circuit. (laughs) Um, Sometimes it's kind of fun to actually like read and reread. I was just talking about this the other day, but it's, it's, fun to read and reread over and over because sometimes new things surprise you. So today, uh, Chelsea, you were just saying like, it's crazy that Judah and Tamar is like right in between Joseph. Yeah, it and seems like a weird, uh, seems like a weird spot. But some of you are probably like, that's not weird at all. That's how the Bible's <laughs> written. But today for us, it was weird. Uh, so what sticks out to you guys? I mean, I think uh, I l- like this, this dream that Joseph has. I think uh, the story of Joseph takes so long to kind of unfold that sometimes by the time you get to Joseph with his brothers in Egypt, you forget that basically he had this dream and vision about this them bowing down to him and this happening like years and years before. And that's what led to all of this history. So what eventually rescued his family out of the famine and protected them in Egypt for a while. Um, so it's something that's really familiar, but it, it goes on for so long, you kind of are like, oh, yeah, he had this dream at such a young age that this is what was going to happen. He must have incredible faith. Like, I mean, that's probably stupid to say about Joseph, but like, if I had a dream like that, I would go like two months and be like, oh, I must have, that must have been bad tacos or something. Like, that must have just been <laughs> not a real dream that meant anything. Like, like a long time passes. Have bad tacos actually affected your dreams? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know what else to say about or it. Or at the very least, when the dream doesn't happen quickly and it actually yeah. takes a totally opposite turn, he ends up in prison. I'd be like, yeah, what about that? And How I guess that maybe that's just happen? like, probably that's just not captured. Like that, that probably just didn't get written down. Maybe he had nights in prison where he's like, I guess that dream was totally off. Uh, I think too, Joseph, he's one of the good guys in scripture. Yeah. yeah he, and he's incredible. That's why I was saying it's kind of stupid to say like, oh, what a faithful guy. Like we know he is. Yeah. Yeah. There's, cause there's not that many no. really good guys. No. Yeah. Um, so, hey. You're going to enjoy the next couple of days because we are talking about one of the truly good guys in yeah, scripture. Yeah, finally something, something good happens. Um, something I thought with, about. With something bad in between. That's the problem. <laughs> we got to sandwich it somehow. <laughs> got to keep reality in check here. Just in case you forget that the world is utterly broken and <laughs> <Yes>. horrible. <laughs> um, but it is a good, I mean, uh, this is a quick sidebar, then I'll go back to Joseph. But an interesting contrast between the faithfulness and integrity of Joseph and then flipping to Judah I'm like I'm thinking about the writer Moses and the and the audience, the Israelites. Um, it is kind of an interesting like here's a contrast between two brothers living totally different lives. But anyway, um, Joseph, I was thinking about what you said with him being so faithful and just an all around good guy. But I wonder, I wonder, just thinking about Jacob slash Israel and his faith journey, um, and and comparing their sons. So Jacob's life is continually traveling in an upward motion with faith in God. And um, his sons are growing up with that. So like his sons have seen his deceitfulness in some ways. He's, they've lived with him with Laban and all these different things. 
Joseph comes along much later in the picture, and I'm wondering if Jacob's faith and his relationship with God really affects Joseph, and we see the effects of Jacob's parenting, the way he shares his faith um, in God. Um, we're seeing that in Joseph and how he lives his life. I mean, I think that's a possibility. Yeah, I don't have I mean, the I don't have the t- historical timeline to back that up, but <laughs> his two best kids do seem to be the youngest. Yeah, I think that kind of shows the so, change in his life. That is very interesting. Uh, I think one of the other things that is kind of cool here that we're getting so much of an insight into Joseph and Chelsea, you mentioned that when Moses writes this for the Israelites, like I think so much press is given to Joseph's life because this now is tying into their story. So of course, Abraham tied in and Isaac and Jacob. Uh, but Joseph is like, he was the one who went to Egypt. He was the one who actually got the people there to escape the famine and then finally, when Moses is writing the Israelites, they've just come out of that 400 years. Yeah, so this is their so, key character. So this is kind of like their a, a huge part of their story. And so that's why I think we get so much detail here. Yeah. Wow. That's a great story. They, they like literally carry his body away yeah. with them, which is pretty wild. I Well, we can get into it later. <laughs> I was like, whatever happened to Joseph's body? But He's just like a mummy, probably. <laughs> just some Egyptian mummy. In Canaan. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll find... The Pyramid of Canaan someday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, so Joseph gets treated pretty unfairly and gets sold into slavery. Um, <laughs> That's the merciful route they take. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting that they're just like, well, we probably shouldn't kill him. We'll just sell him into slavery. <laughs> um, and then we have Judah and Tamar. Uh, what a crazy turn of events for Judah and Tamar. And how... Eventually, the line of Christ, he it comes out of Judah, which is like bonkers to me. And Tamar, right? Tamar. Is Tamar the one that's in the line? Like, hold on. Someone fact check me. <laughs> well, we've got... She the, has a baby. <clears throat> Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. Right. So there's but like, is Tamar in that line? Hold on. Hold tight. I think she is. Let me check the genealogies real quick. <laughs> okay, we're back. <laughs> I did check Matthew 1. And... <laughs> And Judah and Tamar. Tamar is in the line of Christ. So Perez, the baby that sh- that comes out of this horrible situation, um, is one of the one of in Jesus' genealogy in Matthew. So crazy. Which we're going to see that this theme repeated again and again. That Jesus does not come from like this amazing lineage, or he no. comes from like ordinary, average. Even sometimes horrible. <laughs> They're like below horrible. average, actually. <laughs> below average. I don't know how many people out there were <laughs> tricked into having a child with your family member who was pretending to be a prostitute. I feel oh, like gosh. there's not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, so... If that's the case, we have counseling available. <laughs> if somebody would have made this story up, you're not going to... You wouldn't it. include you're that. You're not going right. to write it this yeah. way. Yeah. You're not going to write it this yeah, way. Yeah, and we'll see that over and over again. That just like, why, why God chose to include all these things... I mean, it almost increases the believability of the story because it's like, how else? Like, why else would we do this only to show that God is still good and still capable despite really terrible humans? <laughs> Speaking of recurring themes, this is deception again. Yes. Like, this is this is another uh, deceitful instance now in the kids of Jacob. Mm-hmm. So this is a significant theme in this family. And we have Judah acting horribly here. But then we see Joseph having the ability to act unfaithfully with Potiphar's wife, and he chooses to act yeah. honorably, and actually the consequences on him 
acting honorably winds him in prison. Yeah, another good contrast. Yeah, that Joseph's faithfulness compared to Judah and how he treated his family is uh, super interesting. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children, because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They could not say a kind word to him. One day, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and all your bundles gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told his dream to his father, as well as his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? While his brothers were jealous of Joseph... His father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? He asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him in the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who are Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will I do now? 
Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. About this time, Judah left home and moved to Adullam, where he stayed with a man named Hira. There he saw a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Shua, and he married her. When he slept with her, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and he named the boy Ur. Then she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son, and she named him Onan. And when she gave birth to a third son, she named him Shelah. At the time of Shelah's birth, they were living in Kazib. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son Ur to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Ur was a wicked man in the Lord's sight, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Ur's brother Onan, Go and marry Tamar, as our law requires of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. But Onan was not willing to have a child who would not be his own heir. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled the semen on the ground. This prevented her from having a child who would belong to his brother. But the Lord considered it evil for Onan to deny a child to his dead brother. So the Lord took Onan's life, too. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Go back to your parents' home and remain a widow until my son Shelah is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this, because he was afraid Shelah would also die like his two brothers. So Tamar went to live with her in her father's home. Some years later, Judah's wife died. After the time of mourning was over, Judah and his friend Hira, the Adamalite, went up to Timnah to supervise the shearing of his sheep. Someone said to Tamar, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. Tamar was aware that Shelah had grown up, but no arrangements had been made for her to come and marry him. So she changed out of her widow's clothing and disguised herself with a veil. Then she sat beside the road at the entrance to the village of Enim, which is the road to Timnah. Judah noticed her and thought she was a prostitute since she covered her face. So he stopped and propositioned her. Let me have sex with you, he said, not realizing that she was his own daughter-in-law. How much will you pay to have sex with me? Tamar asked. I'll send you a young goat for my flock, Judah promised. But what will you give me to guarantee that you will send the goat, she asked. What kind of guarantee do you want, he replied. She answered, leave me your identification seal and its cord and the walking stick you are carrying. So Judah gave them to her. Then he had intercourse with her and she became pregnant. Afterwards, she went back home, took off her veil and put on her widow's clothing as usual. Later, Judah asked his friend Hira, the Adamite, to take the young goat to the woman and pick up the things he had given her as a guarantee. But Hira couldn't find her. So he asked the men who lived there, Where can I find the shrine prostitute who was sitting beside the road at the entrance to Anium? We've never had a shrine prostitute there, he said. they replied. So Hira returned to Judah and told him, I couldn't find her anywhere, and the men of the village claimed they'd never had a shrine prostitute there. Then let her keep the things I gave her, Judah said. I sent the young goat as we agreed, but you couldn't find her. We'd be the laughing stock of the village if we went back again to look for her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted like a prostitute, and now, because of this, she's pregnant. Bring her out and let her be burned, Judah demanded. But as they were taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Whose seal and cord and walking stick are these? 
Judah recognized them immediately and said, She is more righteous than I am, because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son Shelah. And Judah never slept with Tamar again. When the time came for Tamar to give birth, it was discovered that she was carrying twins. While she was in labor, one of the babies reached out his hand. The midwife grabbed it and tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing, This one came out first. But then he pulled back his hand, and out came his brother. What? the midwife exclaimed. How did you break out first? So he was named Perez. Then the baby with the scarlet string on his wrist was born, and he was named Zerah. First Chronicles 2, 3-6 Judah had these three sons from Bathsheba, the Canaanite woman. Their names were Ur, Onan, and Shelah. But the Lord saw that the oldest son, Ur, was a wicked man, so he killed him. Later, Judah had twin sons from Tamar, his widowed daughter-in-law. Their names were Perez and Zerah. So Judah had five sons in all. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Zerah were Zimri, Ethan, Haman, Kalkul, and Darda, five in all. First Chronicles 2.8 The son of Ethan was Azariah. Genesis 39 When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal assistant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She put pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home, and she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said, but when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her, so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison ward. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries, because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Hey everyone, we hope you're enjoying God's whole story as much as we are. If you like this podcast, go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps us get God's word out to other people. 
Also, be sure to follow God's Whole Story Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, where you can ask questions, learn more, and connect with myself, Ryan, and Chris. Thanks for listening.